Welcome to this episode of Circle of Trades. I'm Todd Studer. In studio today, Travis Waldstein, Air Serve Heating and Air Conditioning in uh, Council Bluffs. Seven win season. Still, as we're recording this, there is still a chance for hit double digits in the regular season and wins, which ha- doesn't happen every year. Well, yeah, not with that offense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You think about the type of offense that Iowa has and the fact that as we are recording this, they're 7-2. and two. Yeah. Hey, you, you know what? They were talking about this the other day, talking, comparing USC. USC's got like a top five offense, and they got like the 125th defense. And they're talking about a couple pack plus schools, and you got Iowa, who's got the 133rd ranked offense and top five defense. Um, Iowa's got a better record than USC does, right? You might not like the way it looks, and there's people that are not deserving. Listen, there's a lot of teams that have cruddy, I'll say crappy special teams. You know, I mean, it, you know, I mean, special team, Iowa makes plays on special teams. So if you got two of the three phases are good, it just happens to be our offenses back in the 1980s. <laughs> I would it back farther than that. I mean, I remember, you know, Hayden Fry's offenses in the 80s. They could score some points. They could score some points, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I'm telling you, it all comes down to when Polisek left and, and whether you like or hate the guy, I understand some of the detractors, but I think he did a lot more for that offense than what Kirk or Brian or anybody else thought because you look at his numbers in Wyoming, his numbers are pretty similar to what they were before you know, when he was in Iowa and the parallel is he left, Iowa's numbers dropped off. They went out to Wyoming and he improved their numbers. So I, I think the wrong decision was made, but you know, I, I'm not there to make that decision. Yeah. Well, I keep uh, sending my resume, but they, they, I think it keeps hitting the circular file. They don't want me. Yeah. So. Well, Hey, we need to talk about something else since we're talking about Iowa. We're, we're going to talk about the NCAA or no class at all, as I refer. Uh Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, am I going to get fined by, <laughs> well, luckily we're not on the FCC side of things today, but I'm going to throw this out here. Okay. Jim Harbaugh has got freaking some, intern or whatever going to all these games and videotaping freaking you know plays and signals and all this other stuff you know that you're not supposed to do totally outlawed in rule book and you got noah shannon that went and did a five dollar DraftKings bet because he got a promo on the women's basketball team and you're screwing him out of a whole year and the and the wrestling team i mean i will lost four wrestlers like cassiope and uh um the other one, uh, 184-pounder, is done. He's done. Nelson Brands, uh, Cole Sieber, done. There's a couple from Iowa State that are done because this whole – and most of them, they weren't illegal. They were not illegal to what they did, but because of NCA guidelines or their rules, and they said they were going to amend rules, the NCA sucks. And I'm not just saying it for Iowa, but you know what? If you're going to rule – I mean – you know, what are you going to do for Harbaugh? Uh, what are you going to do about Harbaugh? Oh, he's Michigan. So, what, you got to treat Michigan different than you are Iowa and Iowa State? How the heck does that work? You know, you're supposed to be playing under the same bro, but obviously they're not playing under the same rules. So, and if anybody wonders why the NCAA might but not be no longer in five years and definitely not charge of college football, it's crap like this. I, uh... Got nothing with that. <laughs> Sorry. I can't argue about it. I can't argue any of it. Uh, you know, and, and listen, Noah Shannon, if you've watched the story, he said, I made it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Didn't think it was going to be a problem. He admitted to it, fessed up to it, committed to it, and he loses a year of eligibility because of a $5 bet. 
That's I I didn't know that that's all that it was. It was yeah, it's what it was, but it was on Iowa women, and because of you know whatever bylaws or whatever, yeah, yeah. So the NCA and their advisory committees and whatever, yeah, they can stick it. So I mean, if I if if the Power Five schools go to do their own deal, freaking jump on board, get 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 away from the NCAA. Well, let me see if I can bring your blood pressure down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and uh, circle back into, well, okay, go ahead. Wrigley was fantastic, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 40,000 Iowa fans, there was like 40 Northwestern fans. I mean. It did sound very loud when I was watching the game. And <laughs> uh, when Iowa would do something, yeah, that was, it, it, it seemed like it was an Iowa crowd. It, it might have been, yeah, it was 80%. I placed it closer to nine percent. There was not a lot of Northwestern fans there. The bars, um, you know, right close to the stadium, and you know they ran out of they ran out of beer again. So I know it's it's shocking that Iowa fans run out <laughs> run out of beer, but Wrigley was a great experience for football. Uh, the the as far as the stadium was fine, the field's terrible. I mean, oh yes, it, they yeah. it just got ripped to shreds, and it is not. It, it's not capable of handling that level of abuse that football teams are going to put out there. And then that was new sod and that hole down at the goal line when that goal line stand was going on. And then I had to come back right back around the other way and play that. It was like 18 inches deep. Well, you're three foot into the home team dugout. I mean, literally, I was right. It was literally right in front of me. It's like, holy cow. And like I said, well, we obviously created a crater. You know, it was one day I had that four down stop in a two right. yard line or whatever it was. It was just, yeah. I, I mean, the atmosphere was great. Senator Wrigley was cool to watch the football game, but the field itself, yeah. They, I, well, I think Northwestern, you know, gets this new stadium they're supposedly trying to build. You know, after they fired Pat Fitzgerald, you know, got a bill right in Lakeford. I don't think you'll probably see that. That's why we went because he said we'll probably never see this again in our lifetime. So we said, go. Wrigleyville is great. Hanging out of the bars downtown, tons and tons. And we talked to people from Colorado. Um, to both the coast. Funny story on that. We ran to a guy, he had a half Iowa, half Northwestern hat. Go up and talk to him and uh, gave it a half time. I said, Are you confused or drunk or what happened? You know? So, um, well, then we got to meet his wife and we were talking, and his daughter's got a Northwestern shirt on. She's got an Iowa shirt on. She goes, Well, I'm from Northwest Iowa originally. Okay. Well, I grew up in Spencer. Says, you ever heard of Everly? Is that home of the cattle feeders? Yeah. I said, heck yeah. <laughs> well, they kind of find out my wife sitting there and my and my sister in law are sitting there talking, and these two, I think they were distantly related. I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, it just yeah, it's crazy. So, so your wife had jumped back onto that uh, ancestry.com. Or, oh God, or yes, in, yeah, familysearch.org, or whatever it is she <laughs> likes to do, you know. So yeah, but no, it was a great time. Lots of fans, lots of fun. Uh, Navy Pier was great. Um, you know, compared to Seattle, I'll go to Chicago twice any day. I mean, really, I, I mean, Chicago's got a bad rap, but the area where we were at right down by Navy Pier, the North Wrigley, fantastic. Yeah, I've only been to Wrigley Field one time. I saw uh, Cubs play the Braves there back in 95, the year that uh, the Braves actually won the series. Yeah. And it was it, – I can say that I've sat in Wrigley. Yeah. And I I cherish that to be able to say that I've been there. I don't know that I'll go back for another game. But yeah. Did you, you probably wore a Braves hat too, didn't you? Well, yeah. Well, I had a Braves shirt on and people were friendly. Yeah. Well, and I did get to sing with Harry Carey. 
There you go. Braves got the win. Well, you know, well, it was 95. <laughs> you stole Greg Maddox from us. Greg Maddox set the uh, uh, road win, consecutive win streak at 19 in a row of road games that he had won as a pitcher. Set it at that, set that record at that game that I was at. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about geothermal. That's all, okay. Geothermal. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that's got nothing to do with Wrigley Field. No, 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 no. So. All right, here's, here's, here's an, I'm going to have you tell me how wrong I am. Because uh, the way that I imagine geothermal is it's actually drawing the temperature that is deeper into the ground, which doesn't fluctuate as much, which makes it so you don't have to move quite as far with the temperature. Is that right or how far off? It's, you're not terribly far off. Um, it, it, it's kind of funny. I sat through a CU class yesterday, and this guy was teaching geothermal 101, and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. And it was a terrible class, but we talked about it. Ground temperature, uh, depends what part of the country you are. Average ground temperature in southwest Iowa is about 50, 52 degrees. Go a little bit further north, it's 48. You know, you go down south into Kansas, you're maybe getting into the mid-50s as far as temperature. How deep do you have to go to reach that? Really probably 10 foot, okay. 10 foot, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of her, you know, and so with geothermal, there's lots of different avenues as far as, because you taught, when you taught the ground, the reason we talk about the ground is um, we put in wells. So, so instead of having a unit that sits outside and gets baked by the sun, essentially when we taught geothermal, we're putting that outdoor unit that loops into the ground and we're either taking heat out of the ground or we're putting heat back into the ground, depending on the time of the year. And it's, you know, it's, it's fluid. We're circulating fluid and, you know, and so in the summertime, when we pull the heat out of the house, you know, we're putting the heat into the ground and the ground becomes a big storage reservoir. So, and then in the wintertime, we're pulling heat out of the ground and using it to heat the home. How long does that need to be in the ground in order for it to reach that, you know, temperature of where it matches what's in the ground? Well, it, it's never going to quite match the temperature per se. So let's say our ground temperature is 52 uh, degrees, um, you know, if you're, whether you're dropping, putting heat into the ground or pulling heat out of the ground, realistically, it's probably not unusual that right around your geo loops or your pipe you stick in the ground, you know, you could have five, 10, even 20 degree temperature change from what's, you know, what the ground temperature is five, 10 foot away from it versus around it but the good part about the earth is it stores heat so you know it'll store that heat so you know and the, the you know and that's the beauty of it so you know if it sits outside it's it's uh, if your air conditioner sits outside it's a hundred percent conducive to atmosphere so if it's 50 degrees outside your air conditioner thinks it's 50 degrees outside if it's 95 degrees outside your air conditioner thinks it's 95 degrees outside in theory with geothermal Whatever the ground temperature is, is what it thinks it is outside. So if it's actually on that 52 degrees, but even if it's 62 or 70 degrees, that ground temperature, it's still 25 degrees cooler. Well, how does that work? Well, with a geothermal, it's a mechanical process. You know, it's a mechanical fluid process. We're, you know, we're using a compressor and we're compressing refrigerant, you know, to you know, to drop the heat and then we're using 
and then we're we're taking it out to the loop field and then we're coming back and we're dropping the pressure on the fluid that's going into the house to pick up heat so it's a it's a mechanical process with a fluid transfer and with the fluid transfer outside of circulate we're either pulling the heat out of the ground or put it into the ground so what where this what where this really works so well is with heating and air conditioning when it's 95 degrees outside let's say the hotter it is the the harder it is on the equipment the more power it consumes, the more energy you consume, the more that costs you to keep your house at 70 or 72, whatever you want to keep it in the summertime. Well, if it, your ground temp is 65 degrees or 70 degrees, guess what? You don't, you know, you're not running that, you're not dealing with an extra 25 degree of temperature because it doesn't care what the outside temperature is. It cares what the ground temperature is. So that's the beauty of it. The downside of it is the initial cost. It's expensive. I mean, it, it, you know, if you have to dig a well, whether it's your house well or a vertical or a horizontal well or a slinky loop, diesel fuel is not cheap. Boring machines aren't cheap. I mean, there's boring machines all over the place that are boring cable and whatever else into the ground. And so it costs a lot to install, install it. But once you install a loop field outside, you know, they're, they're, the pipe's guaranteed the last 50 years. So... Is uh, is that extra cost, can that be made up over time in energy savings? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's the whole reason for it. You know, you could take a 4,000 square foot house that's maybe four or 500 bucks a month. You know, you know, energy, I'm going to use energy usage, gas, electric, whatever. And if you're all G, you might be able to get 25, 40, 50% reduction. It de- that much? It, it depends. And there's a lot of factors that go into insulation, windows, our value, you know, all that, everything you talk about making a house tighter and more energy efficient, um, you know, your, 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 uh, um, your windows shading is, I mean, curtains can make a difference shading like reflective on your windows, um, you know, outside. So if you hit like have an overhang over a door that can make a difference because you have a lot of outside forces that are, you know, Adding, you know, heat and air conditioning. I mean, frankly, it makes a difference if you have like four people versus like 14 people live in a house. There's a lot of factors that vary that load. Also, how do you run it? Do you run your AC at 72 and your furnace at 68? Or do you run your AC at 78 and then your furnace at 62? Now, personally, I'm not running my air conditioner 68 degrees. I'm sorry. I sweat. So, um, you know, and he, how do I feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. She, listen, she's not 78 either, but after she had COVID, it's not 70 where I'd like to keep it. So, um, but uh, there's a lot of factors on a home. So when it comes to size and design on a home for any, whether it's geothermal or any other system, sizing, understand how the house is being used, what direction does it sit? you know what's your you know what's the area design as far as temperature all them factors really have to be figured in when you're sizing a home so you can't just walk up and say that a house is 800 square foot it's a ton and a half or two ton air conditioner or 40,000 furnace you can do that some but when you're talking about spending 20 30 40,000 dollars or maybe even more um you know, you're not just going to throw, you know, do the shotgun approach. You need to nail that down the best that you can 
based off the information you have. Is there a style of house or size of house that you would recommend geothermal, uh, geothermal more to than maybe another one? Don't see a lot of it. Um, ground um, Houses, you know, berm homes are probably fantastic for it. I mean, realistically, very little exposure, um, you know, you know, your split levels, you can start getting a two level, three level, 5,000, 6,000 square foot. It's great. But then you just, when you get into bigger homes and bigger sizes, you need more, what we call BTUs or you need heat, cool capacity. And when you start adding that, it starts adding up dollar wise at the initial cost plus operation. So I'm not saying there's not a home that you want it, but there's some that's definitely more ideal than others. I'm curious if you, when you're talking to somebody and they're talking options, that how much you are pushing this particular option to them, if you see that this could be a benefit to them. Um, if, if It really depends on the customer. Most of the time, people that want geothermal or want to talk about have already done their, done some research. I'm not going to walk in there and I'm not going to blow smoke up their backside. I mean, that's that's the reality. They've done the research. They've either been on, you know, GeoComfort, Water Furnace, um, Hydron, uh, Climate Master, Bosch. They've been out reading. They've been doing research or they've got somebody who's done it, uh, knows some of the pros and cons, you know, to it. Understand that, listen, you're not spending $10,000 on a geothermal system when you're putting in an entire system. There's just a lot more material and labor and just a lot more involved with it. The good part is once it's installed, uh, your life expectancy on a geosystem, in theory, should be five to seven years versus a conventional system. And then when you have to change it out, you don't have to change out all the loops and all their stuff. You can literally change out the box, you know, the, the geo unit itself. And most of the other stuff can change. We might have to make some minor modifications, but it's not going to be like when you initially install it in your home or even in your business. Is it any easier going into new construction or does that make a difference at all? Um, yes, it, it really is. Um, you know, we've done the new construction. We've a lot of what we do is the existing replacement, but new construction, because then you can size your ductwork better. You could do room by room load calculations and you can make changes to the ductwork so you can really dial it in. You can zone it. Um, there's a lot of things you could do on new construction. Um, but d- don't think you can't do it on, we, like I said, 80% of what we do is retrofit. It, so a lot of it has to do, do we have access to ductwork? If we need to make changes, can we make changes? What's the house configuration? Because sometimes, especially if it's a two-story or a tri-level, what sounds great maybe isn't realistic, you know, because when you're talking geo, we're still talking ductwork in the house. And some, there's some houses, there's no provisions for getting ductwork unless we do like a geo split or we look at a mini split or maybe another option for a certain area. So, and so does that make sense for the consumer? Every, every situation, every house is unique. If uh, someone wants more information, is there a good place for them to go or just get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of me. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about it. Listen, we, we're, 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 you can go to the, uh, ICSBA, International Ground Source Heat Pump Association. Um, the state of Iowa has the Iowa Geothermal Association. They they have a website too. Um, we're, 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 we sell GeoComfort and we've also sold this Hydron. But if you go type in GeoComfort or you type in uh, EnterTech, I mean, there's lots of places if you want to 
look out there and get information. And all of them have good information. Um, there's a lot of stuff with Energy Star. You know, there's federal and state tax credits are available. Um, tax credits are not cash back in your pocket. They pay off tax liability. I'm not an accountant. Don't play one on the radio. <laughs> but you're not going to get a fat check back from Uncle Sam. And that's always the biggest thing. You mean I'm going to get money back from Uncle Sam? No, they're going to pay off a debt you owe if you go with this option. Okay. That uh, makes a lot of sense. So if you need more information, that's the direction to go. So back on the road again this weekend. Uh, got to be at Rutgers, yep. So gotta... When was the last time you were worried about that game? Because let's be honest. <laughs> this again as after this is released the game will be over with but as we're talking right now the game's in two days i'm not comfortable uh i don't wisconsin handled them pretty good um obviously they gave ohio state a run for them, but it's kind of hard to j- judge what gauge with ohio state too um i, th- I can't remember if wisconsin i think wisconsin with the Rutgers. Rutgers going on the road um, listen, I was not going to all of a sudden, hit, you know, hit 28 to 35 points. We're, we're, we're not going to see that unless the defense does it or special teams does it. Um, the biggest thing I think with, uh, the game this weekend, Iowa hasn't created a lot of turnovers the last couple games. And, you know, if Iowa could get a couple turnovers, you know, create a couple turnovers, you know, maybe get a pick six or get a short field like they did on the block last Saturday. I think that's going to be Iowa's best chance to score points. Cause if you look at that game last Saturday, if you go back to two points, when they had the block punt, it was 20 yards. Iowa proved in that game they could move it 20 yards. And actually, when they scored on that play, on the two plays they scored, it looked pretty good. I mean, you know, they got Cooper Eugene on offense a little bit. Uh, you know, they got the the Brown kid from Ohio, from Ohio State, you know, that transferred in. He finally made his first catch. He's the one who made the catch in late in the fourth quarter when we went down and scored the field goal. Right. He finally made a catch. He got a chance to – so – I said, I, I'm not bent on, but there's some things that made you go, you know, maybe they're not as far off as what you think as far as maybe doing something. I'm not I'm not expecting no 85-yard drive. Let's call it for what it is. <laughs> but if we get some short field opportunities, and I just, I, I just, like I said, I, I'm, you know, I, of the three games, I'm definitely, this is probably the one I'm most worried about. Iowa is in a real good spot right now. The one team on their schedule could create issues for them as far as getting a Big Ten title game has to go to Ohio State next week, and that's Minnesota. So we know Minnesota's going to win more game. You get Nebraska. You know, by the time this game is, by the time this is on, who knows? You know what? Nebraska play Maryland this week. That's not a, that's not a gimme game either for Nebraska. No, Maryland's vastly improved. Yeah. So and, and so, it'd be interesting to see. Um, Big Ten is what it is. Um, more curious to see what's going to happen with. Uh, um, Lewis Central and Underwood, and I know we'll know by then too, but uh, they're both in the Dome, Lewis Central today, and I think Underwood tomorrow. Um, I'm really curious to see. I'm fairly that. confident on Underwood. I mean, yeah. Underwood's taken on a team that has never been at the Dome. Yeah, well, and listen, Underwood, I mean, if it wasn't for Van Meter, I think Underwood's playing for a title last year. They were that good. Um, and, and Van Meter's just – it, it is what it is. Even in big school football, I mean, Van Meter could go compete at three or four. Eight, there's no doubt. I mean, they're taking Valley kids that can't play a dollar, and they're going right. to Van Meter. So, yeah, Lewis Central. This is the, that. That's a toss up for me. North Polk. Yeah, like I said, I don't know, but I don't think North Polk hasn't been to the dome. Just like Bonnerant Farrar has not been to the dome. Western Dubuque has been to the dome. I think it will be LC versus Western Dubuque in the title game. Now, th- this will probably prove me wrong. I just. 
If LC plays and does not turn the ball over, I think they'll be tough to beat. But if all, all of a sudden the football gets a little bit loose, I, then then they're going to have a hard time. So it, it's it, to me, if you don't fumble the ball and the other team does, I'll take I'll bet on the team that doesn't fumble the ball every day and twice every on time. Sunday. Every time. He is uh, Travis Waldstein, Airserve Heating and Air Conditioning. The podcast is Circle of Trades. We thank you, sir. Travel safe. Back to Kinnick. Yep, and happy Veterans Day to all my veter- bro- brother veterans out there. So and, and and you as well, sir. Yeah, yeah, and, and, no, and no, I will not be getting my free breakfast tomorrow. I no. can pay for my own breakfast. I'm good. <laughs> all right, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode. Back again next week. Take care.